Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Not The Top 20 betting show. My name's Ali Maxwell. I've got George Ellick on the line. George is enjoying a, a break of sorts in Devon this week. Are you having a nice time out there? Yeah, having it out there. Sounds very um, different for Devon, not too far away. But uh, yeah, feeling a bit better after a, a, an ill start to the week and looking forward to seeing you on Friday at Sky Sports Football for Huddersfield Fulham and then sitting alongside you in the studio on Monday as well. So uh, yeah, feeling refreshed and ready to get back into it. Glad to hear it. Today we're going to be looking ahead to the third weekend of EFL action in terms of our selections. We're going to be going through our naps, our best bets, a couple of next best and a bonus each as well. Last week went pretty well. Uh, I won my nap of Plymouth. Yours, Bristol City, was not a winner, but you won all three of your other selections, including Ipswich and Sunderland to be a draw and under 2.5 goals, which was a great selection. So we are three out of four in terms of naps for the season and looking to go two for two this weekend, it's fair to say. Before we get into this, guys, this betting show is obviously surrounding gambling and our gambling selections ahead of the weekend. So gambling is for over 18s only. Uh, please make sure that you head to gamblerware.org to learn the risks around gambling. And we ask that you don't bet what you can't afford to lose, please, ahead of this weekend. Georgia, what are you selecting as your nap, as your best bet? Best bet is Lincoln to beat uh, Southend at 10 to 11. Always very important at this stage not to get too carried away with teams who have started very well or teams who have started really badly, but that is exactly what I'm doing here. Um, with Lincoln, it's worth mentioning the caveat in that 2-0 win against Rotherham that they maybe weren't particularly good value for that win. Um, Rotherham had more shots, more of the ball, and generally were more of the were more of a threat throughout the game. And, and Lincoln did well to win the game, um, kept up their 100% start to the season. But realistically, we can probably put that down to being one which was um, a 2-0, not to ignore, but not to put too much faith in. So it's more about South End this bet, really. Um, and they have a difficult task going up to Lincoln. Lincoln have been so strong under Danny Cowley at Central Bank now for so long. The old air raid siren going off at set pieces. Uh, for whatever reason, the Cowleys have made it a very, very difficult place for teams to go. And the season couldn't really have got off to a worse start for Kevin Bond. Um, at Southend and, and straight away he's under pressure a club who were disappointed to be fending off relegation last season see uh, uh, already zero from two and have their work cut out here to try and get anything from the game um, injury troubles still continue to plague Southend as well and I am just a bit amazed you're getting just shy of even money uh, about a team who look to be far far superior in terms of the players they have at their disposal in terms of the start they've made to the season and in terms of the, of the manager they have at their helm as well. So this is a very simple one for me. I'm pretty sure that anyone listening to, to this podcast who's already uh, looked through the, the weekend's card would probably circle it. Uh, most firms are five to six, it's, it's worth saying now. So I can't imagine that 10 to 11 will be around for much longer. But uh, but yeah, a, a strong two-point nap for, for Lincoln to, to do away with Southend. Skillful, technical attacking players, George Grant, Jack Payne and, and Tyler Walker added this summer. And it strikes me that this is exactly the sort of game that they were added for. Games that, uh, even though it's early in the season, Lincoln are expected to win against a team that you know will, will come and, and probably play for a point to be honest with you uh, and, mm. and you know pain actually came through at south end so um, could be uh, an interesting game ahead for him my name and is... worth mentioning just despite pain coming through at south end there was some animosity there as well when he did leave so i think mm. that 
that that that's going to be more a point to prove rather than a homecoming for for Payne. And I'm sure you, know, you look at what happened at Roots Hall last time out for Southend. They were three 0 down against Blackpool early early doors and only got their goal after a red card. So this is a team in dire straits. And yeah, it's probably one of the worst games they could come up against now is going up there to one of the hardest places to play. Look, we've got two weeks worth of matches and data, I suppose, to go off. So there is always a risk of overreacting to what we've seen after just two games. My nap is Leeds to beat Wigan at 10 to 11. You can get that with Black Type and Coral as we record on Wednesday evening. Uh, a lot of firms are a lot shorter, so I'm fearful that this won't last long, but I've grabbed the 10 to 11. Uh, in terms of Wigan, let's start with them. A pitiful display against Preston last week, one of the worst EFL displays so far this season. Uh, they were 2 0 down after half an hour from simple crosses from the left, really, that they just didn't deal with didn't pick up men uh, and uh, and in the end Maguire and Malt benefited from that but it, it's more the fact that even after they were 2-0 down still with an hour to play they really barely troubled North End they struggled to penetrate uh, it was just a couple of Kiefer Moore headers from floated balls into the box and a couple of Josh Windass long shots from outside the box that was really their main threat I was really disappointed to see that uh, you, you know when you're 2-0 down the opposition naturally sitting back a little bit. You'd think that that's a, a time to at least create some chances for yourself, but not particularly for Wigan. Um, this, I think, is a bit of a mismatch. I think it's probably the biggest gap in class between two teams uh, across the whole EFL this weekend, barring, I guess, Tranmere and Bolton, Bolton with, with such a young side. So uh, I'm taking Leeds. They dominated them last November uh, at Wigan and 1-2-1. They dominated them in April, of course, but lost 2-1. We all remember that game with Wigan down to 10 men, but Leeds all over them in, in both games, if truth be told. I think Bielsa against Cook is a, is a bit of a mismatch, to be honest. I like and respect the job that, that Paul Cook's done with Wigan. Just generally, the, the classic Paul Cook 4-2-3-1 up against Bielsa's all action, all rotation leads. It, it doesn't fill me with confidence from their point of view. Leads have, have, have been good so far. Pretty much the only team to, to sparkle on opening weekend against Bristol City uh, and ended up frustrated last week in a draw with Forrest after a silly scrappy set-piece goal, uh, having kept Forrest pretty much chanceless throughout. So I'm still on, on Bamford Island. I'm, I'm one of the last people left on that island at this stage, but I'm, I'm convinced. I'm convinced it will come good. I'm hoping he might do the business for me this weekend, and I'm hoping that Leeds will beat Wigan uh, at 1.91 or 10 to 11 as a fraction. That's my nap. Uh, in terms of next best, George, uh, just looking down the card personally, a lot of value seems to be with away teams this week. I don't know if it's just me that thinks that, but I've got a, a long a long list of away teams, two to one or more, and I don't really know what to do with them. So I'm interested to hear where you've gone here. Well, I've gone for an away team, um, but not one that's two to one or bigger. But I'm clearly just quite intrigued by Bamford Island and what that means. I'm envisaging an island that looks quite nice, is pretty expensive, but basically fails to deliver consistently. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think where... Where would uh, be similar to that? Sicily, maybe? I'm not really sure. Um, but uh, Bamford Island is, is one I'm, I'm happy to, to steer well clear of. And I think that um, Eddie and Ketia will, will eventually make do with that island uh, once and for all this season at some stage. But um, but moving on now. Yeah, so in a way, team, it, it's Cardiff at, uh, at Reading. Um, a, a shade of odds against, which might not seem particularly handy, but I'm just gonna. It might not seem particularly shocking either, given your your week and your current status amongst the Reading fans. Yeah, I'm just, just happy to kind of let this roll. You look at Cardiff's first game of the season. Um, it was away from home at Wigan, and there was a game they lost three two. But that was a very different 
Wigan performance in the second half. And we saw consistently last season that Wigan at home is a very, very different beast to Wigan away from home. And Cardiff could have been out of sight in that game early, early on if they'd taken their chances. Uh, and all in all, they probably were unlucky to lose it. Reading a, a, a naught from six uh, in terms of points this season so far. And as I've said many, many times, I'm struggling to see where the excitement is coming from in terms of, of, of the personnel they've got available to them. If you're comparing, I mean, I said early on in, in the pre-season predictions that Cardiff wouldn't concede any goals. <laughs> they've conceded they conceded four in their first two, which is not <laughs> ideal. But I, I do think if you're looking at, um, you know, Sean Morris and Naden Flint coming up against the likes of, of Lucas Shaw, and this is just... I think there's there's a difference of quality between um, the two squads available. I know that Reading fans think their first team is, is a match for anyone's, but I just think when the teams come out at two o'clock on Saturday, there's going to be one that has far, far more quality, far more championship experience, and just a, a bit of a cut above, really. And, and I don't think that Cardiff are, are a team whose away form is going to be much worse than, than their home form this season, as we saw a couple of years ago when they got promotion as well. Uh yeah, I, I, it's a bit of a chance, and, and it's, you know, it's not a massive price backing an away team at that at that at that price. But Reading are, are favourites to finish bottom for a reason. They're favourites for relegation for a reason, and uh, I still think Cardiff are going to be knocking on the door of the Premier League again come May. So yeah, just I think six to five best price at the moment. Cardiff to dispense of Reading on Sunday live on Sky at midday. Uh, that's my next best. Lovely stuff. I think there was a. A small child, possibly one of your nephews or nieces, crying early on in that answer, and I just wonder I think, whether there I think might they were be some, laughing. I just wonder whether there might be some Reading blood in the family, Joseph. Yeah, that, that was my that was my that was my three year old niece, who's a Reading fan, <laughs> finding it hilarious that I was saying saying those things about uh, about Reading. Brilliant. Okay. Well, I am going to move on to my next best bet, and that is Portsmouth to win at the Stadium of Light. Also live on Sky Sports on Saturday lunchtime, this one. Uh, and it's a very exciting matchup. This, these teams have obviously created quite the short-term rivalry. And, and while we like geographical rivalries and long-term historic rivalries, these ones that pop up are also quite fun. Uh, this has popped up because they played each other five times last season, didn't they? Twice in the league, uh, once in the uh, uh, Checker Trade Trophy final, and then twice in the playoffs as well. And to be honest, there really wasn't much between the two teams in terms of, of scoreline. There wasn't much between them in general o over the season uh, in terms of where they finished. And Sunderland obviously went through in the playoff semi-final. But I'm backing Portsmouth uh, to win this one. 23 to 10, the best price you can get with Sporting Bet using the Odds Checker website. To find the best price, that's 3.3 for those who prefer your decimals. I have a, well, I have a theory. I have an opinion, I suppose, that... If there wasn't that much between these two teams at the back end of last season, which is debatable for a start, then there is a little bit more now. I think that Portsmouth look like they've got a bit better. I don't think Sunderland, from what I've seen so far, have got any better than they were last year. Now, that shouldn't necessarily come as much of a shock because it's more or less the same manager and a similar group of players with Sunderland. So it's been so far more of the same and I don't necessarily know why we or anyone else expected any different. They've obviously drawn both games so far 1-1. One, one. A bizarre streak of 1-1 one, one results that I have written about for The Athletic this week, which you can read on The Athletic. And 
uh, since the 29th of December, Sunderland have drawn 12 of their 26 regular season games 1-1, so just under 50%. It's a result that generally uh, is recorded 1-8, 12.5% of the time. So it's all a bit odd, but so far this season, we've seen them really struggle to create from open play. Um, the goal against Oxford was a penalty, just a, a rash challenge, really, that they made the most of. The goal against Sunderland, an excellent play from Mark McNulty, who's been their big bright spot so far, um, winning the ball off Chambers and squaring it to Gooch. But outside of those goals, very little really being created uh, in open play. And that's a theme from last season that we were recognised, certainly the back end of last season, when they looked really quite stodgy, quite unimaginative uh, in open play and very reliant on McGeady. Um, I think... You know, we're at the point now where if you can keep McGeady from cutting inside uh, and shooting on his right foot, then you really are stopping their major threat. So while I recognise the form of McNulty, uh, I'm I'm not feeling great about Sunderland, having spent a good 24, 36 hours kind of going through a lot of their games for this article. So um, Portsmouth, uh, kind of more of the same, but a bit better, I guess. Um, they're looking very solid defensively. They lost on opening day, but it was really that 30-yard screamer from uh, Shrewsbury player Giles. Um, in terms of uh, chances conceded over the two games, very low as ever. Uh, just 0.57 expected goals conceded so far in their two games. So uh, I'm picking Portsmouth to win. I th think it's a really nice price at over 2-1 to one here. I'm looking forward to watching this game. It's going to be a good one, but I'm picking Pompey. So what about you, George, for your next best? Yeah, no comment on that, on that last game, but I, I think I might be having a few quid on uh, on it as well. Uh, That's a comment. Yeah, perhaps Bradford. <laughs> no comment. Bradford uh, at ten to eleven to, to do away with with Oldham. Uh, Bradford obviously winless in their first two games, having drawn them both, but were dominant against Cambridge on opening on opening day, uh, and were unlucky not to win on on Saturday as well. And they are now facing up to one of the worst teams in the football league, in Oldham, um, who. Haven't made the start under under Banid, the new French manager that the fans would have hoped for. Fans uh, absolutely livid about team selection before uh, the game even started on Saturday. They look completely uh, bereft of quality and, and, and ideas. And this looks like a great game for, for Bradford to finally get off the mark and get that first win. Uh, they've got plenty of quality in that in that team and for Gary Bowyer he'll be looking at this as being an absolute must win so quotes of 10 to 11 seem very generous um that suggests you know just better than a 50 percent chance of them coming away with this but I'm pretty confident that if this game is played multiple times then Bradford would win the, the lion's share so um it's 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 a case I guess you know you talk about not getting carried away about early results and and Bradford are still you know they were the pre-season favorites they're still very likely to finish in the top six and um, and to do so, they're going to have to win games. And the fact they're on two points after after two games doesn't really tell the whole story. And it would be no shock to see them on five points after three. How much of the share does the lion have? Do we think if we had to put a, a percentage on it, something I've always wondered. Sort of I think basically seventy percent of the share. Or I think I think if the lion doesn't get you know two thirds, he's absolutely livid. Right. Uh, I'm yeah. going with Fleetwood against Doncaster. Just desperately trying to move on from that little aside more than anything, I think. Um, <laughs> and th thankfully, I've got the Cod Army to to talk about. I can go, I can go and ask my uh, my niece. She might know. Yes, <laughs> you know, yeah, she I, might I guess do. she's she's the one who's probably most likely to talk to lions. 
especially is... as a Reading fan as well, so that's fine. And a big know. fan of the playground game Sleeping Lions, I imagine. Indeed, yeah. I am going to talk about Fleetwood. They're playing against Doncaster. They're away from home, and they're just over 2-1. to one. Uh, 11 to 5 with Bet365, the best price currently, uh, which is 3.2 in, in the decimal. Uh, Fleetwood had a tough time in the wind against Wimbledon last week. They were down at half-time, but by all accounts, it came back to win that one fairly comfortably and very deservedly. Um, scoring a fantastic equalising goal, three very quick passes that split Wimbledon open and then a square ball for Madden to tap in. It's one of those ones you see on the highlights and if you're concentrating, you make a ma- sort of make a mental note because last season Fleetwood were a solid, if not spectacular team and I didn't think a huge amount of them in the final third and that's the sort of thing that makes me sit up and take notice that maybe this season they're looking a little bit a little bit better in the final third but also they've been pretty good defensively in general um, they did the business away to Posh didn't they on opening day they went ahead early and they sat on that lead very very comfortably uh, that back five is looking pretty solid you've got Cairns in goal Coyle, the right back, Suter and Clark, the centre backs, one very young, one very old, and Danny Andrew. Up front, well, wide options have been boosted by Josh Morris, who started the season really well. He's got goals in both games so far, one of them very fortuitous and one of them incredibly skillful. But they've got Wes Burns, they held on to Ash Hunter as well. So three good wide options. And then McElhaney's been back in the fold to start the season. Uh, he hasn't scored yet, but if he can recapture any sort of form, or, or sort of fulfil any sort of potential that we thought he had for a few years ago, then that's going to be a nice, probably third option for them uh, once Chad Evans is match fit, Paddy Madden off the bench obviously last week in scoring, uh, and, and Coots and Rossiter, fantastic additions in midfield from what we've seen so far. So I'm feeling really good about Fleetwood. I'm, I'm not feeling the same about Doncaster, you won't be surprised to hear. They lost Marquis, that was uh, sort of fairly... Obviously a bit of an issue for them and quite late in the window. So far, Kieran Sadley has been playing up front, which surprised me. Uh, and what surprised me even more is that he has scored both of their goals so far this season. One of them a sweetly struck volley uh, on opening lovely, day. Lovely goal that, yeah. And then the 90 plus three headed equaliser last week where he, he leapt like a salmon, I must say, as high as I've seen a salmon leap. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure how much I expect from him despite the last two weeks. Uh, in terms of a Marquis replacement, but a good start for him either way. They just have been struggling to create so far, Doncaster. I think it's fair to say 2-1 all draws where they were behind both times and probably would have been quite quite thrilled to grab a point. Um, And yeah, so just with all that, with Fleetwood looking pretty good, I am going to pick Fleetwood uh, over 2-1 here, 11-5 with Bet365. If... um... Conor McElhaney regains his goal-scoring touch. Will you change your Twitter handle from the McElhaney roll to the McElhaney roll? How many goals are we talking? 20. If he scores 20 goals, I will change... 20 league goals. Yeah, yeah. I'll change my Twitter handle to that. And then yeah. we'll get you verified so you can't change it, ever. Is that how it works? If you change your handle, you lose your tick. I wouldn't know because I'm not such a corporate shill like you, George. I'm <laughs> a real man of the people when it comes to Twitter. Yeah, I know. You'd hate it, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> right. I think, George, that leaves us with some bonus bets. I'd like to hear what yours is, please. Yeah, if you told me I was going to be tipping this up um, two weeks ago, I'd have been very concerned as to my uh, how, <laughs> my opinions pre-season. But I'm tipping up Crawley minus one at Scunthorpe. Wow. Um, I think with Scunthorpe, it's going to get better. And I just hope that um, 
the, the board and the fans just keep the faith with Paul Hurst because he will turn this around. I'm, I'm fairly confident. Um, I've got a lot of faith in him as a manager, but they have been atrocious early on this season and they are shipping goals for fun and don't seem to find a way of plugging the gap at all. And, and Hurst will be hoping for a reaction here. But I mean, they're playing against a Crawley team who I had down as serious contenders for relegation. And they still very easily could be. But the 30-odd shots they had on the weekend um, suggest that uh, Gabriel Gioffi has uh, has found something um, to get this team going. And it could be a flash in the pan. They might still end up on, on 45, 46 points. But on the off chance, so this is a bit of a mismatch of one team who have clicked and, and, and a, a bit of a machine at scoring chances against another who can't keep goals out and couldn't often last season, who conceded a lot of goals last season as well, then I'm happy to chance it. And why just back? Crawley at the, the 130 <laughs> odd um, that they are to win the game. Why not just stick in the minus one at nine to one, which is realistically it looks like being a high scoring affair. And um, and if Crawley can can kind of put in the kind of shot numbers they did last weekend, and, and Scunthorpe are going to be as porous as they were in the second half against Cheltenham, it could easily be uh, covered. So it's it's speculative. It's against my opinions on these teams from pre-season, which I don't think are necessarily wrong over time. But in case. What the early, the little early uh, form we've seen from both sides is uh, kind of predictive of how their seasons are going to go, then this looks overpriced to me. Very nice, very nice indeed. Well, I would like the listeners to join me on the centre back first goal scorer train. Let me tell you why I think that Liam Cooper of Leeds is a good bet at 25 to 1 to score the first goal against Wigan. I've uh, already explained why I think Leeds will win the game. I believe that Leeds should and will dominate the game. And Cooper is the main target now for Leeds' set pieces. That's become clear in the first two games. Cooper had two good-headed chances uh, against Nottingham Forest last week. Uh, Hernandez's delivery and Douglas's delivery from the other side are both uh, ticks in the box. And the last one, really the jewel in the crown, Wiggins defending last week from crosses uh, against Preston was about as bad as I've seen at this level. Um, Omar Bogle scored from a cross from the left for Cardiff on opening weekend, unmarked between the two centre-backs. Then Maguire headed one in early uh, last week for Preston, dead centre, six yards out between uh, two defenders. And then Louis Malt as well, scored half an hour later, exactly the same thing, good cross from the left. And he was between the centre-backs uh, to score. So I'm a little concerned about the communication between your Kiprays and your, your Foxes and your Robinsons at left-back because it all looks a little bit ropey back there. So I think there's a good chance that Cooper can capitalise on this and might have a good chance to score in this game. I'm hoping he might score first, but with Bet365, uh, you can do each way. So if he scores any time... It'll be 25 divided by three. That'll be my place term. So uh, looking forward to this one. I've obviously got quite a few hopes riding on Leeds this weekend. George, before we go, could I ask you just to run me through what your selections are so that those listening can whip out their pen and paper and, and note them down? <laughs> I hope they don't skip to this part because you've missed some absolutely terrible chat between us in the in the meantime. But um, yeah, Lincoln to win at home South End is my best bet. I fancy Cardiff to get the job done at the Medeski on Sunday. Uh, and Bradford at home to Oldham, and then finally Crawley to cover the minus one handicap at Scunthorpe. 
Good stuff. My nap, my best bet is Leeds to beat Wigan at 10 to 11. Uh, my next best selections were Portsmouth to win against Sunderland and Fleetwood to beat Doncaster. Both of those just over 2 to 1. And my bonus bet, Liam Cooper, first goal scorer each way with bet 365 at 25 to 1. Well, I thank you and I hope that you enjoyed listening to this. I'm sure there were some parts that were superfluous and that's not really our style. So apologies if you didn't enjoy that. I think the... Let us know. This is, this is, I mean, given how much time we've spent together over the last six weeks or so, this week has been a little bit strange and we're very much looking forward to being back together, recording across the same table on Monday as we look back at the third weekend of the EFL season. And we've got our road trip as well, haven't we, next week? So that's really exciting. Uh, but first and foremost... Potential of maybe some, some Q&A action, I guess, next week as well. Oh, yes, definitely. Given our, yeah. And what, was, what else was I going to say? Two plugs. One for... Uh, my piece on Sunderland on The Athletic, which will be released on Thursday morning. Uh, if you head to Twitter, I will be sure to link that piece and you can find a link to follow where you'll get a free trial and then 50% off The Athletic going forward, which could be a really nice touch. And secondly, uh, Sky Sports on Friday night, we're going to be in the studio as part of their build-up uh, to the big game between Huddersfield and Fulham and we cannot wait so please do join us for that thank you as ever for all your support Um, we are very grateful for you listening to the podcast and supporting us as well follow us on Twitter at NTT20pod and we'll talk again on Monday